Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Mark Quanstrom. Today, we have the fourth and final part of our series of conversations with Mindy Kelleguire. Mindy is the founder and CEO of Soul Care, which is an organization that provides coaching, spiritual direction, and collectives to help leaders care well for their souls. And our hope for you today is that you will gain an enhanced vision for what formation can look like in the life of your church. As you know, we don't believe that our salvation is transactional. We believe it is transformational. And how we lead our people into those spaces and places where we are transformed is a pretty important question. And so we hope today's conversation will help you as you lead your church. Uh, I know it has really helped me. I trust you'll enjoy the conversation. What could there be a through line of how we're constantly reinforcing these ways right. of connecting with God, no matter what the topic is? And I think that will not happen with intent without intentionality. Yeah. Like if we're just chasing after a great topic that is relevant to the moment, which is mm -hmm. important, um, but not having a, like a constant drumbeat of what is this way of following Jesus? Right. How does this topic this week relate to an assumption, a shared assumption that you guys are learning how to talk to God on your own time? You're learning how to read your Bible and reflect on scripture on your own time. There's like, like I found it helpful when I was working with John Orberg and we were saying, okay, what's one set of spiritual practices that this is how I framed it to John. I was like, if you as the teaching pastor of our church uh, would say over the course of somebody's involvement, say over five years, what practices mm -hmm. would you want to think that that person had somehow encountered and had become part of their own rhythms of life as a result of being part of this community? And it caused us to ask and answer different questions like, all right, well, what, what, what things would I name there's a bazillion great spiritual practices, mm -hmm. but if, in discernment to our community, what are some that you'd feel sick as the teaching pastor of your mm -hmm. church to think somebody had been involved in our church and they'd never heard of these things? Like, what would those things be? So that's a fun discipline to go through as an individual pastor or a part of your team mm -hmm. and then start to say, how do we strategically make sure people are encountering instruction, simple instruction on how to do this stuff. I, mm -hmm. I, a little story here. I did a, a class. They were doing midweek classes at Willow based on reveal kind of thing. And they asked me to teach one uh, of the more advanced classes on prayer. And so I had prepared my talk and it was interactive and all these things. And I, at the beginning of the, I don't know, we had a couple hundred people in the room and I, before I started, I just said, okay, guys, but before we start out, like, what are some of the questions you're bringing into the room about prayer? I am so glad I asked that question. I heard everything from like, I, I'm i praying the way I learned from Wayne Dyer. Who's the, who's the like total 
like a bit way over the new edge edge. I don't remember what it was, but like Mm -hmm. no one in that class was coming in ready to understand some sort of deep form of prayer. They had no foundation. And these people were coming in from all different lengths of tenure. This is not about Willow Creek. I've seen this so many places Mm -hmm. since. They were coming at from all different places in their spiritual journey. And I can think of my own church here in Colorado. It's like, what part of a weekend service ever gets devoted to telling somebody how to sit down and be with Jesus in the pages of their Bible on their own and casts that vision? So I think you hear my point. It's like you you have the opportunity there to introduce people to not only the imagination of the kingdom, but the ways of connecting to Jesus in daily life. So, so we're priests who are uh, bridges between our people and the Lord. Now we're not priests in the, you know, Judaic sense mm-hmm. or the Roman Catholic sense, but we ought to see ourselves as facilitating the relationship between our Lord and our people. But, but I want to return to something you said just a minute. I don't want to miss it. You said we, as as spiritual leaders, we have I think you said organizational spiritual leadership, something like that. Is that how you said it? I said organizational spiritual direction. Yes. Direction. Okay. So, but what that mandates, what that implies is a pastor who is relationally connected to their congregation. Yeah. And we had, we had a, a, in an earlier podcast, someone said it this way. I'm sorry. I don't remember who it was. They said, preaching is not content delivery. It was J.Y. Kim that said that. J.Y. Kim said, preaching is not content delivery. Um, and and it's not an acquisition of knowledge. And so for for us as pastors to know what our congregation needs to hear beyond the generic evangelical message, that mandates that we know our people and that we are in Indeed. some level of vulnerable relationship with our congregation, mm-hmm. or we can't know what it is that they might benefit from on a Sunday morning. Right. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. That's exactly the point I'm making, Mark. Yeah. So if we're going to be spiritually (laughs) forming, if we are going to engage in spiritual formation of our congregation, I mean, that mandates a relationship with that congregation uh, that, mandates, I'll just say it again, vulnerability from the pastor, mm-hmm. a willingness to engage, a yes. willingness to be present. Uh, yeah. I'm, so if you are a distant pastor, you may not have the information you need to know how to lead that congregation. How's that? Is that too strong? No. I think it makes sense. It's like, how else would you know? How else... Where are right. you leading them? Where are they right now? If you don't know where they right. are right now, how do you know how to help them get to where you'd love to see mm-hmm. them go? You have to know that stuff. I mean, not every single person, right? There's sure, there, it, right. But, but right. trying to discern who are we as a people, where mm-hmm. is God inviting us, and what does it mean for us to take steps in that direction, I think requires, I mean, that that's what we... That's what I'm. A, I'm a congregant now. I'm not a pastor anymore, and 
it just feels interesting to listen week in and week out to what our pastors are choosing to bring. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of tell when it feels like it's a reflection of their knowledge of what we as a people are dealing with right now. And I don't mean like cultural hot topics. I mean right. us as a right. community. Yeah. Right. So so the so the pastor leading on a particular Sunday has to address that particular Sunday's concerns. And I've discovered that sometimes what people discern as a really good sermon has more to do with the relevance of that message to their life than it has to do with eloquence or outline or uh, exegetical prowess. It has to do with, wow, that ex is exactly what I needed to hear. Right, right. Well, I, and you know, I think with that for me, um, one of the reasons why I often struggle uh, traveling and preaching is because I don't know the people, and it's hard for me to have pastoral yep. empathy um, on a crowd that I don't know what they are going through. And my, you know, for, so for me, just the week in and week out um, writing and often born out of a sense of pastoral empathy mm -hmm. for what my people are mm -hmm. going through um, can't be repeated elsewhere. I mean, these are sermons that Correct. are meant for... Correct. This particular church and this particular time. I used to travel. It changes. Uh, go ahead, Mindy. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Mark. No, no, Mindy, go. What? I was just going to say, it changes how you, what you want to say when you know a person or in this case, a group. Right. So I love hearing that. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say about when you travel, Mark? Yeah. Um, well, well, I used to travel to, and, and I had to quit because I felt like I was a clerk I was preaching generic Christian messages with no knowledge of the folk mm -hmm. I was preaching to, and they were appreciative, but I'd never really felt like I was addressing where they were. And so I, my preaching flows out of my pastoral ministry. I can't, I need to know the folk I'm preaching yeah. to. So yeah. you also mentioned, though, putting before our people the basic spiritual practices mm -hmm. of prayer mm -hmm. and Bible study. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, then, then those other practices the journaling, the, the I mean, yep. the, the, the community being in, in, in vulnerable community with others. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, yes. I, I'm, I'm challenged by your question. How many pastors are putting before our people and teaching our people about those classic spiritually formative practices? Mm -hmm. Not a lot. Yes. I, Not a lot. I think the one of the primary roles of a pastor, beyond helping people have the imagination of the reality of the kingdom and certainly being inviting them into that, is uh, is to help people get to a point where they are um, relating to God on on their own, and their right. involvement in your church is a part of their relationship with God, and mm -hmm. you have to even position why does being part of our church matter. Why is being part of a community part of the mm -hmm. of the of the way of Jesus? Like, and we need to be able to answer those questions for people, kind of on the regular. Like, I used to sit mm -hmm. in one church I was part of, and it's like in the back of my mind, I kept thinking the question I had to the pastor was like, "Why are we here, and where are you taking us? Mm. Why are we here, mm -hmm. and where are you taking us?" 
And I feel like I want mm-hmm. you to answer that. Not like maybe explicitly, mm-hmm. but I want to mm-hmm. feel like I understand here's why I mm-hmm. and we are here and here's where we're going as a result of this time together. And that is very different than have you faithfully done an exegetical treatment to, you know, Second Corinthians or something, you know, which Correct. may come into support answering those questions mm-hmm. and ideally should. I'm not saying that book necessarily, but you get my point. Um, can I, can I, can I tell on some rock star, uh, pastors that I've had fun working with over the last few years, um, who are really working on this. So, um, one of my favorite pastors to, to play, play with in this space is, uh, Ben Kacharis. So I'm sure Hmm. you maybe are familiar with him Hmm. out at Mountain Christian Church in, uh, Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he and his church were, working on these themes around the ideas of soul care for many years before he and I met. But when we met, he loved hearing my passion for this and brought me in to do some work with their leaders. And in the working with their leaders, I, with their staff, I ended up using a phrase about how these spiritual practices or ways that we care for our soul help us stay alive to God. How do, how do we stay alive mm. to God? That's such an important thing of what that. we do. And mm-hmm. I didn't even realize how significant it was, but he totally latched on and so did their staff to this idea of staying alive to God. And uh, he ended up doing a whole sermon series with his church called Staying Alive. And you can go find all these <laughs> videos out on their stuff. And he made a huge, they did a huge joke about it. They did the dance contest with their various, like the whole executive team is up there with the music to stay in alive, stay in alive going on there. He opens it up with one of the most beautiful, like stories of somebody in their church that you'll have to go listen to it to understand how this person miraculously stayed alive. And then led into an entire series on different ways to stay alive to God. And it was basically looking at creative ways to address spiritual practices from the pulpit in accessible mm-hmm. language for the congregation. Nobody needs to know this is in the realm of spiritual formation. That's fancy language, but who cares? Nobody needs to know that. It, this is about we can, we can bring everything into very ordinary, accessible terms. And it's not that people need things dumbed down. Let me be very clear on this. Right. We can communicate very nuanced, important truths without creating barriers of language that people have to go through to get to our point. And there's no need for that. There's no time for that. We just, we got to help people find their life in God. Um, Anyway, so that's a fun example of what they do, but then sort of behind the scenes, and I think all of this matters as well, forming the life of God in your church does really start from your own life with God mm-hmm. and then how you are as a staff or as a team, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a large church or a small church, right? you know, we, we, you, you just can't invite people into some sort of way of life that you yourselves are unwilling or unable to go to. Correct. And so it really does matter to be willing to take that journey yourself and find your life in God. Uh, and as we know, many pastors are just really struggling in this regard. And I, I don't fault them. It's been a very hard season. But uh, before we get too excited about 
bringing everybody else into this, it's really important for us to become conversant in healing, in grace, not, not forgiveness for all the sins that I've done, which is one way of thinking about grace, but grace as how am I receiving my strength from God right. today? Right. What does right. that look like today? Right. And every single follower of Jesus and needs that. And that's the hope we have for people who don't yet know Jesus is that they really can experience grace, power, grace, love, forgiveness, right in the dailies. And I, I don't know if we talked about this last time we chatted, but I think I, I told you I had heard um, from the Barna Group some new data coming out about um, Gen Z and the Alpha, which is the generation younger than Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they did some uh, openness to spirituality questions on a very large scale Barna type survey. And the guy, Craig Springer, he's a friend as VP of something or other at Barna. And he, he, um, he was doing a readout of these findings at, at a gathering at Wheaton uh, that I was at with him. And he was saying that what they're seeing in this data is that for that age group in particular, the new apologetic, and this was his language, is inner peace is the new apologetic. Hmm. And he then went on to say, you know, 40 years ago, it was evidence that demands a verdict. It was more than a carpenter. It's like Mm -hmm. if you could prove the authenticity of the Bible or Mm -hmm. the reality of the resurrection or any of those things, that's what caused that age group, which is now really the boomers and busters, to... Um, to put their faith in Jesus. That was the apologetic that would convince them that Jesus was who he said he was. And then he said, when I was coming of age, maybe 20 years ago, in the thought of following Jesus or trusting him with your with your life, um, it was the apologetic was more around purpose. And you think of the purpose-driven life and all that kind of stuff. It was like, right. if you follow Jesus, your life can have purpose. And so people would trust in Jesus because they wanted purpose in their life. And indeed, of course, Jesus provides that. But he was saying, looking at that data now, that for this emerging generations, if you are a person who has a capacity for, like, carries inner peace, if you are marked by inner peace, then that age group wants to know Hmm. What's up with that? They are open Mm -hmm. to hearing that Jesus is who he said he was because you carry inner peace. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, my goodness, what if what if pastors are helping people, their congregations find their life in the way of Jesus? What if in their fancy cars or destitute circumstances, either way? We, as Jesus's people, are finding inner peace because not some Zen like I'm just checked out, right? But because we're receiving that peace as a fruit of the Spirit, as a fruit of our relationship with God, not as a slapped on. I'm going to try to be a happy Christian to try to convince my lost friends that Jesus. I mean, there's so much goofy stuff that has happened. But friends, it, I mean, if you really do carry inner peace, people can tell. Are you an unanxious participant in your 
local government? Are you an mm-hmm. unanxious presence in your neighborhood? Are you an unanxious presence for good on the sidelines of your kids' sporting games? Are you are we helping our congregants encounter Jesus in daily life in such a way that they carry the kind of peace that is going to cause a watching world to possibly consider that Jesus is who he said he was. I'm like, that's a big idea. That is a very big idea. And the, the, the more people have reason for anxiety by virtue of circumstances over which they have no control, the more obvious will be that one who is able to move through the vicissitudes of life, confident, not, not, not uh, denying the reality of the fallenness of creation, but confident and hopeful Mm -hmm. and at rest. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, in an anxious age, peace would be the witness. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know I'm a, I'm a mom of two boys who are ten and thirteen mm. years old, and I pastor a lot of young families, and this is absolutely a generation that is dealing mm. with anxiety, mm. um, to a degree and level mm-hmm. that I've never seen before. You know, one of my questions, mm-hmm. and I don't have data behind this, and is it that we're also better at naming this reality? Mm. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know, but I know that COVID has changed things and that um, we're seeing a lot of deterioration of mental health. And mm-hmm. and so I do, I do, I mean, I can just, you know, yes, you know, as a mom, I see this longing for for kids to want to live an anxious, free life. And mm-hmm. I do think that a lot of it is, I mean, yes, you know, there's there's very real anxiety disorder, right? Um, mm-hmm. Depression yeah, is right, very totally. real, right? And yep. also, though, one of my questions is, is how much of it is sometimes circumstantial that is perpetuated by um, the world of enemy-making machines and culture wars, mm-hmm. um, by the world of... Um, fear mongering, right? Like, you know, it's, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. And so it's creating these anxious households and this idea Mm -hmm. of inner peace, you know, has its um, roots in this idea of shalom, right? We have peace when we're right with God, right? Like we have peace when we are in right relationship with God. And this idea of spiritual formation is, is about connecting ourselves to those means of grace um, so that we can uh, enter into that right relatedness or right relationship with God in ways um, that are are more meaningful and impactful and deeper and and that's and pieces of fruit of that, right? Pieces of fruit of that. And so that's that's compelling, Mindy, about um, Gen Alpha. Yeah, the only way to yeah. convey peace in its tr- in, as true and not pretend peace that um, is a, is a confidence that is not 
performed but is intrinsic to your personhood, the only way that's a possibility is if you are nurturing your own relationship with the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. So the most compelling argument for spiritual formation to this generation might be the results of that relationship. Right. The result being peace. Many, this is this is also helpful. Uh, I mean, I am encouraged by this conversation to imagine what can be as a pastor and how to effectively lead our people. And so I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, we've been talking a lot about now place, right? Um, and formation in a very particular mm-hmm. place. And we've talked a lot about different spiritual practices. And I would imagine that there's pastors listening that are saying, okay, now, so tell me what to do. What's the program? Yeah, how would you answer that one? <laughs> oh, man, I would have sympathy for it because I think a lot of times we, it's a shortcut to actionable things to pick okay. something off the shelf. But I will say I, I want to honor and bless the work that you're doing in a local context. And hmm. if you don't yet feel the sense of what do my people really need in terms of practices mm-hmm. that would support their life with God, um, maybe that could just become a matter of prayer and sort of discernment for you over the next season. Because there are so many different kinds of practices, different authors split them out of practices of engagement and disengagement and solitude and silence. And, you know, I I could come up with a list and I'm happy to share a list of sort of like foundational practices that do seem kind of universally important, but nothing should get in the way and I'll do that, but nothing should get in the way of you as a pastor pausing with the Lord to say, what do my people need? You know, a, a, an affluent bedroom community to Chicago is not going to have likely the same spiritual practices that would be helpful to them as might help a very blue collar right. community in a, you know, steel, like I grew up near Buffalo, New York, and it's a very different environment mm-hmm. than right. Naperville or whatever. Um, so, right. uh, so I think the I, I want to honor and elevate a pastor's um, involvement with discerning with the Lord, what, what would be like three practices that between now and the end of the year, I'd want to try to reinforce for our community. And that would be a really good exercise and doesn't need to be the forever and ever ones or the Uber ones that are more Mm -hmm. important than all the rest. The ones that we built, um, that I've built a lot of books and teaching around, uh, were these, the first being prayer. And that takes a Mm -hmm. lot of forms and even Mm -hmm. journaling sort of sits in the prayer Mm -hmm. category. The second one is the use of scripture. In what Mm -hmm. way does engaging with scripture and different people have different needs for that. So is it listening? Is it reading? Is Mm -hmm. it a variety of things? Okay. So then, but engaging with scripture, like one day I was really struggling with my own faith. I think I might've mentioned this last and I came home and I was like, I needed to binge watch the chosen (laughs) <laughs> just to uh, immerse myself yep. in the imagination yeah. of scripture. All right. right. So anyway, whatever right. is the method doesn't matter, but engaging in the story of scripture. And then uh, the third one is spiritual friendships. And this is that person one. It's so vital Good. that everybody knows how to enter into right. spiritual community with one another, not just hanging out friendships, which are also very important and fun. But anyway, so 
spiritual friendships, then silence and solitude, I kind of lump together. Uh, we will not grow uh, without sort of pulling ourselves out of the the rhythm of, of uh, the pressures of demands of daily mm-hmm. life without intentionally interrupting those drives and learning to rest in God's presence. So silence and solitude is very important. Uh, the fifth one was examine or self-examination, uh, really entering into that deeper sort of in the Psalm, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know, how do we create space for a true examine, both of conscience and of consciousness, as Richard Foster writes mm-hmm. about. So anyway, mm-hmm. there's that. And then the practice of simplicity, which is really sort of a shortcut for pulling all of it together into a way of life. How how am I, in the words of Hebrews, running the race that's marked out for me, not running somebody else's race, but truly throwing away and to the side anything that entangles. And not everything that entangles is sin. Both things are mentioned, throwing a tossing aside sin and anything that would easily entangle us and running with perseverance. So those were the six that I've built, you mm-hmm. know, curriculum and books and stuff like that around. But I think, uh, you know, you and your community might think, all right, what's an accessible form of journaling that I can bring to everybody? Hmm. What's an accessible form of solitude? What's an accessible uh, invitation into deeper community. Uh, all of these things, you know, I think Randy Frazee at one of his churches had 17 different practices that they had named. And I have notably not on that list is things like corporate worship and celebration. Mm-hmm. And there, there's just so many different things yeah. that it's yeah. just wonderful to explore all of them and see how the Lord leads you. Um, yeah, because I, so- I think all of them are important and matter. Well, thank you for uh, for mentioning that uh, one size doesn't fit all right. here. Right. And the, the Roman Catholic tradition has a better understanding, I think, than Protestants do about the, the mm. particularity of vocation and that a young mother mm-hmm. with small children, the expectations for her devotion are quite different than the priest who's taken a vow of celibacy and obedience. And so giving yep. people latitude to discover how it is they are to communicate with the Lord is really, mm-hmm. really important. Right. So thank right. you for calling pastors to be discerning in reference to right. their own congregation. Right. That was really important. Mm-hmm. Mindy, you have been a gift uh, over these last four episodes, <laughs> and this has been just rich, and I, I believe that you have helped us nourish the imagination of pastors. Thank you for your gift of time, your gift of wisdom, and your gift of faithfulness to the Lord and sharing that with us over these last last uh, four conversations. And uh, pastors who are listening on a Monday or a Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, know that, uh, that we are grateful for our partnership with you in ministry. And uh, the goal of this podcast is to encourage you in the calling that you have been granted Mm -hmm. from your Lord. Mm -hmm. May the Spirit of God infuse your imagination to see the possible, to see God's kingdom in your people as it is in heaven. And may the Spirit of God empower you 
to continue to shepherd and lead your people faithfully. And until next time, friends. 